Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Y'all, I'm really expecting for tonight. I'm really excited. We're going to do something different. We've been going through Romans. We pretty much finished chapter 2. Will you open it for me? So I have to drop the mic. Uh, We pretty much finished chapter 2 last week. And uh, I just felt really led in my spirit to shift. And we're going to take a break. And we're just going to mix things up a little bit. And, you know, the Lord, He's been speaking to me. Speaking to my spirit. Just giving me insight to things. Um... And so I just wanted to share something that, honestly, I've been asking the Lord about and share it with you. I felt the Lord tell me to preach this tonight. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. The lack of the, go back to that title real quick. I'll let them just turn there in their Bibles. The lack of the manifestation of God. The lack of the manifestation of God. Don't let that title intimidate you. But, you know, I've been asking the Lord, why is it that it seems like, you know, I don't know about you, but me, when I look at the American church and I look, I feel like we're missing something. And I don't know if you spend a lot of time, and I'm not saying that I spend an extreme amount of time watching churches from all over the world. But, you know, they're having revival in Nigeria right now. Nigeria is literally leading the, the world in revival. Um, they have churches over there that are 50 to 100,000 seaters and that they're just packing out every single week. And it's not just, you know, filling churches, because I want to tell you, the thing is over there is they're not doing seeker sensitive churches. Um, you know, it's funny, but. Actually, Bishop David Oedepo, he has the largest church on the planet. You know, whenever all this stuff started coming out, he actually looked at his church. And you would think, right, this is what you don't want to do if you want to offend people or make them mad. But he looked at his church, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And he told them all, he said, don't let me catch you wearing one of those masks on your face in this church. I mean, that's the kind of stand that they're taking. Uh, And see, you just really see... The Lord just pressed upon my heart. Me and Chris, I had the privilege of going and uh, we were in Arlington the last couple of days and we got to listen to Kenneth W. Hagan speak and preach and his wife. If you don't know who that is, that's Kenneth E. Hagan's son. He's an older gentleman now and it's just amazing. He was telling us the stories of in the 30s, you know, when, when the Lord was teaching Kenneth Hagan this message of faith and, and how, you know, we, we look at ministers like Kenneth Hagin, if you know who he is, and we see the big ministry in the books and Rama Bible College, but he was talking about when he was a boy, you know, and they had to live in a, in an, uh, a hotel room for three years of their life. Uh, and and how, when, how the Lord taught them faith and how to, you could say Mark eleven twenty four. And if you believe those things which you say and have not doubt, you can have what you say. Jesus said, I tell you, you can ask me for anything. And if you believe that you received it, you will have it. And then the Bible says in the book of Hebrews to hold fast to the confession of our faith. And so they literally learn this formula that 
how faith works that will get you a result in every area. If it's healing, if, it, if you're battling with sickness and disease, if it's financial, uh, anything. This is how you see a resolution is by using your faith. Uh, and it was just so incredible because he was showing us pictures. Um, and I'll kind of get to this in a moment, but he was showing us pictures of places that he had went and preached overseas. He had went to Pastor Adeboya's church and Oyedepo's church in Africa. And guys, I'm telling you, it blows me away. He was saying that the building, and he showed a picture of it, so it wasn't just like him telling a story. He showed a picture, and it was literally a sea as far as you could possibly, a sea of people further than you could see with your eye that stretched past, you know, as far as you could see. The building that they were in, he said it was like three quarters of a mile or half a mile wide, and a mile and a quarter long, just completely filled with people under one roof. And he showed pictures of it. That's what's happening in other parts of the world. You know, and I, and I look, and it's true, I listen to a lot of men of God, and there's men I've been listening, and they've been kind of going to Nigeria. Robert Slearden's another one, and he goes over there, and, and he's, he's telling them, you guys are in revival right now. You're in revival right now, and we need it in, in the United States of America. We need that African style, that spirit that you have, we need in the United States of America. So I have, I've been asking the Lord, Lord, why are we seeing a lack of the manifestation of God? And maybe this can answer a question, and I really want you to take this tonight, not just as a teaching, take this as a word from the Lord, because that's how I received it. A prophetic word from the Lord. But the Lord was showing me why we see a lack of His, of His presence, a, a lack of the manifestation of God in our lives, in our church, and in our country. So look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22. Let's start there. Lord, and I really help, ask you right now, help me. Help me preach this message tonight. This is your message this is what you told me to do, so I know that you're going to help me deliver this. Lord, let us have a hunger to hear it and receive it tonight in Jesus' name. So look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. Are you guys there? We got it on the screen for you. It says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Can you say stifle? We're going to look at what that word means in a moment. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Can you say stifle? Can you say scoff? In this, the Lord is showing me where we're lacking, where we're missing it. Why is there such... Why is it that preachers can go over to Africa and see people coming off of mats and wheelchairs, but then the same preacher comes to the United States of America, same message, same person, same ministry, and it's like a person barely gets healed of a headache. What are we missing? Is it like God doesn't like the United States? No. I'll go ahead and give you a kind of a precursor, but guys, can I tell you what our problem honestly is in this country? Pride. Pride. Our luxuries, although they're great, and it's not that we have to live a life separated from uh, the blessing, but there's a difference between having the blessings and the blessings having you where you don't see a need for God any longer. 
Really, it's true. I hope that you take this spirit, uh, this message to heart from the Spirit. Do not stifle, say stifle, the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. That word stifle, I looked at the Greek word that's actually used there. It literally means to extinguish or put a fire out. Let me ask you guys this. Is my mic too hot? Do I need to turn this down a little bit? No? Do not stifle. It literally means to extinguish or put out a fire. What were you saying, Miss Sarah? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were adding something. Because, yeah, I, I mean, if the Lord shares something, you guys have a question, raise your hand. I'd love to, to go over it. This is kind of that kind of setting. So the word stifle literally means to extinguish or put out a fire. That's what it means in the Greek. So do not extinguish or put out the Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? There's actually things that we can do to think about that. The Spirit as like a fire. There's things that we can do in a church service where it's not a matter of God's willingness to move. The Holy Spirit's willingness to show up. There's things that we can actually do that takes a wet blanket and throws it over the fire of the Holy Ghost. Not only in a church service, I actually want to pry this more practically. You know that there's things that we can do in our personal lives that literally takes a wet blanket or a bucket full of water and just dumps it over the Holy... and, and, and stifles it, puts it out, extinguishes the fire. Are y'all with me? Are y'all hearing me? Look at this. So what is that? What is it that stifles the Holy Spirit? He actually tells us in the very next line... He's talking about prophecy, but it's a bigger picture than just prophecy. He says, do not scoff. I want you to say scoff. scoff. I didn't know when I was reading this, me and Carissa were at the hotel studying this passage uh, the day before yesterday, or was it yesterday morning? And I asked her, what do you think scoff means? And we started looking at that, and I, I, I wouldn't have believed it. But I looked at the Greek word that was used here. The word scoff literally means to hold in low regard or in low esteem. The word scoff, if you look at the Greek word that's actually used here, it means to hold in low esteem or low regard. So look at this. When we hold the Holy Spirit in low esteem or low regard, it cuts Him off from moving. When we hold the Holy Spirit, do not throw the, wet, the bucket on the fire of the Holy Spirit. What, how do you throw the bucket on the Holy Spirit? By holding Him in low esteem. By scoffing, He says at prophecy. When we hold the Holy Spirit in low esteem or low regard, it cuts Him off from moving. So what's really the problem? Yes. I'm going to read that one too. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and say it. Exactly. So I'll cover that again. I'll read that in just a moment because I wrote that down. That's wonderful. The word scoff means to hold in low esteem. 
So the Lord told me, he said, the reason I don't move in America is not because I'm not willing. It's because the American church does not honor the Holy Spirit. The reason that people don't see the the manifestation of God in their life, the manifestation of the Spirit in their life, is because we hold the Holy Spirit in low regard in our life. How do we do that? I'm going to show you how we do that. But let me read 1 Thessalonians in the Amplified. Do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of the prophets. Do not depreciate the the prophetic revelations, nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. So it is very simple. Why is it we don't see the Holy Ghost moving in the United States? Why don't we see Him moving in the churches? Why don't we see Him really showing up like we see in the Bible or like we see in other countries? It's because we're doing things in our life that is actually put, like putting a low value on God. I'll give you an example. You know, we were talking about the Bible this last week. And, and going over the Word of God, if you've been, I, I believe all of you have been here on Sunday mornings. But I made this statement. I asked a question, why is it that we don't read the Bible? Why is it that a person doesn't have the Bible a part of their daily life? The ultimate reason you could say a million, well, you guys, Pastor John, you don't understand. I have to get up early. I have to go to work. I have a long day. I understand all of that. And no one's saying that you don't. No one's saying that you're not time consumed and have a lot going on. But at the end of the day, the reason why people don't make the Word of God a part of their daily life is because they don't actually think that they need it. Because it's impossible to, to, to have this dependency on the Word of God and it to not be a part of your daily life. So guys, I'm just talking about American statistics. Do you know that the average Christian only goes to church once every five weeks? Why is it that a Christian doesn't go to church? Well, honestly, why? Because they don't think that they need to. I don't need to do that. Guys, what are we doing when we say that? I'm actually taking God's Word. I'm actually taking the things that He's decreed and declared and the things that He's instructed. And I'm actually holding the Holy Spirit in low esteem. And so by doing that and creating a culture where that's acceptable, we have stifled the Holy Spirit in the United States of America. You think about that. There's no getting around it. Let me say it like this as well. In the New Testament... And I keep pushing our church to join small groups, and, I, and it's awesome that all of you guys are. But did you know that if you read the Bible, there is no Christianity in the New Testament where you're not meeting in other people's homes and sharing meals with them? Am I right or wrong? It doesn't exist in the Bible, New Testament Christianity, without meeting in each other's homes and sharing meals with them. And it comes to something like a small group. How many times do you hear people say this? Hey, you should join a small group. What do they say? Well, I'm, an, I'm an introvert. Not really there. I'm not really ready for that. You know what? That's okay. You may, that may be 100% true in your mind, but can I tell you something? If that's your case that you're going to build, what you're doing is not Bible Christianity. 
Amen? You know, the Bible talks about we are the body of Christ. There was no Christianity where the church didn't gather together, assemble together. Actually, in the book of Acts, it says as the people got saved, they devoted themselves to a handful of things. One of those things being the apostles' teaching. So any Christian that just, oh, I can just kind of do this thing and, you know, I don't need that. I, I got my own thing going on. I'm telling you, you're stepping outside of God's prescription for the church in the Bible. And what are we ultimately saying? Lord, I know that you said this and that you laid a pattern out. But, I, you know, honestly, in my life, I think that I'm good like I can manage without it. That is such a prideful position to take. Really, a humble position to take is like, Lord, even if I don't think that I need it, even if I can in my human wisdom logically come to some other conclusion, this is what you prescribed in your word. And so I'm going to humble myself and actually say, Lord, you may actually know things that are greater than what I know. Your ways may be higher than my ways. So I'm going to humble myself and obey and trust your word and do what you said to do instead of defaulting to what's comfortable to me. Are you all with me? But guys, I'm telling you, the Lord actually spoke this word to me. I was out mowing my grass, and for some reason, the Holy Spirit just loves to speak to me when I mow the grass. Honestly, it's probably because it's the moments of the day when we're not doing this, or we're not reading, we're not you know, de dealing with life. You're just sitting there, and you're just in your head. You're in your thoughts. You're meditating. And, and then it's like the Lord just speaks to you so clearly. And that's also a key to life. Set time apart in your life to hear the voice of God. Amen. If you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, I guarantee you it's because you're not intentionally putting yourself in a position to hear the voice of God. God wants to speak to His people. The Bible says as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. So it's actually one of the identifiers as a, of a Christian to be led by the Spirit. But anyways, I was on the grass. I was, I was out on my mower, mowing the grass. And um, the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. And he said, John, there is a difference between feeding the sheep or feeding the lambs and compromising the fundamental truths of Christianity, of the Bible. So let me explain what I mean by that, because to me, it made sense to you. You may have heard that and said, I don't know what you're, what you're talking about. When Jesus told Peter, he said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. A lamb is what? A baby sheep. So when Jesus instructed Peter, you know, as a pastor, he wasn't saying only feed the mature. He said, you also need to, you know, you also have to give milk to the babies. There is a place of giving milk to the babies. But what the Lord told me, there's a difference between giving milk to the baby and compromising the fundamental truth of my word. What do I mean by that? We, we actually compromise the Word of God in the name of just trying to feed the lambs. A person comes in and they're totally in their carnal nature, not wanting to live by the Spirit. They're hell-bent, set in their ways. This is how I'm going to do it. Right? They come in. And feeding the lamb is taking the Word of God. I'll give you two different ways that you feed lambs according to the Bible. You can break down the fundamental truths and make them more simplified so that you can understand it. But really, Paul said it, it, that even feeding, like the elementary principles, I'm sorry, feeding the lambs, baby Christians, isn't even just stupefying everything. It's actually just a few doctrines. He said, 
We don't need to go over these elementary principles of faith. Repentance. Resurrection. He said in the book of Hebrews. So actually, milk isn't just breaking everything down where it's just so... like Literally, milk is the fundamental doctrines of Christianity. Placing your faith in God. Repenting. Resurrection. How that applies to us. Are you all still with me? But let me kind of get back to this. What we do today, somebody comes in, right, and we just don't want to be confrontational. We don't want to be offending. Right? And guys, I want to tell you, we as the church, we should not be set on offending people. Like that's our goal is just to run around and stir up trouble and make everybody mad. But we can no longer be afraid of offending somebody's carnal spirit or carnal nature. We can no longer be ashamed or afraid of offending an antichrist spirit. Somebody comes in to the church, not just this church, the church, and we say, hey, you know what? I'm going I'm to feed the lamb here. I'm going to break it down. Two plus two equals four. And they say, I don't like four. I like three. Right? I don't like the number four. I like the number three. What do we do? What are we guilty of? The Lord showed me this. We say, oh, okay, you like three. Okay, then two plus two equals three. Now we just changed a fact. We compromised something to accommodate what that person wanted to hear. And the Lord said we do that with the Word. We do that with the Word. And when we do that, we actually stifle the Holy Spirit because we're holding the Holy Spirit in a low regard. And so what does it do? It's not that God doesn't want to move. It's that literally He can't. He cannot move because we cut him off. We quench him. We draw a line in the sand. We dig a, a fire ditch. He can't, he can't come in and do what he wants to do because we've held him in low esteem. Are y'all with me still? So, you know, we could be asking, how do I hold, again, how do I hold God in low esteem? Well, mo again, most Christians, they don't read their Bibles. And this is just a simple example of this. Well, they don't read their Bible. Why? Because they don't think that they actually need to. They, they don't understand their need for God. We're at, what we're doing when we don't have the Word of God in our life is we're showing God like, Lord, I don't need you every day to make it. I don't need you every day to do this. Lord, I can actually do my job pretty good without you. Lord, I can actually live my life pretty good without your Word. But I know I should, right? Oh, the pastor said I should read my words. So I guess at some point I'll, I'll try to get in there and make some time. I'm telling you right there, that's holding God in low esteem and it stifles the Holy Spirit from moving in the church. And from moving in your life. We hear stories about people that have had powerful, and I mean crazy encounters. Paul, who was taken up into the third heavens, and everybody wants the prophetic dreams, and everybody wants the crazy encounters where they see the angelic and they see these manifestations, they see all these expressions of the Holy Ghost, but they hold Him in such low esteem in their lives. Any person that's ever had a supernatural experience with God was a person that, that had reverence for the Spirit of God and honored the Lord. So, and I mean, that's what we do even when it comes to church. 
I mean, people, you know, this is where the Lord really spoke this to me because I'll tell you what, what happened. Kenneth W. Hagan, who's heard of Kenneth Hagan? He's a general in church history that we were so fortunate to live almost kind of in the same time as him. And guys, I'm telling you, it's really true. But the Hagan name, not that we're glorifying a man, but he's known more around the world than he even is in the United States. So he's showing us this picture of preaching to this crowd of 100,000 people. And you, I mean, it's every person in that room, they're black, African people. They're so hungry for God. And then we're sitting in this room that could probably hold a thousand people and there's maybe 150 people there. And it just blew my mind. I'm like, guys, we're at this church. Kenneth W. Hagen is here and people aren't here. Why aren't the people that go here even here tonight? Why? Because they don't think that they need to be. I'm good. I'm good. I got my life. I got my job. I got my 401k. I got my routine. I got my retirement. I have my bills paid. I have enough money in the bank. I'm good. I like this spiritual experience when it's convenient for me and when I just want a little something. But we are not dependent upon God. Do you understand that that was the whole point of the children of Israel being in the wilderness was learning how to become children of covenant. Learning how to depend on God. We think that we don't need Him. The Lord just he said we're stifling. He said this is a picture of the low regard that people have for My Word, for My presence, for My Spirit, for the things that I've said for them to do. John, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, and I'm telling you guys, listen, this is so layered. It's so much deeper than just a surface level thing. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Your life has to be built on that fact, on that truth. Jesus, Pastor Tanner said something great, and I believe it was prophetic. It was from the Lord Sunday morning as we were tearing in His presence. That ended up happening after service. We just continued to worship for almost another hour. And he got up and he said, God, He's not just the best way. He's not just the most enjoyable way. Jesus is the only way. The Holy Spirit spoke to me immediately. Is Jesus the best way? Yes, He is the best way. He's the best way to live life. Man, I'm telling you, anybody that worships... Uh, Allah or whatever, oh man, they're missing it. Jesus is the best way to do this thing called life. Is Jesus the most enjoyable way? He is absolutely the most enjoyable way. His blessings are so fantastic and amazing. But at the forefront of all of that, even more than He is the best way or the most enjoyable way, this is the message that we need to be preaching to people. He is the only way. There's a difference between going to somebody who's in some uh, 
New world, new age religion where we've taken a little bit of Buddhism and a little bit of Islam and a little bit of yoga and we've put it all together with a little bit of Christianity and we're so far from what the Lord's prescribed in His Word. And that's Christian's approach, right? When this is your religion, man, let me tell you, in our religion, and we just try to convince them with facts, like, oh, well, our way is better because it's more enjoyable because we get to do these things. And, you know, Lutherans and will do that with... Pentecost, you should become a Lutheran. We, we get to drink alcohol and you, get, you, know, you guys don't believe in that. We try to convince people on that kind of plane. Instead of the message that this generation needs to hear is not only is Jesus the best way, He is the only way. No one can come to the Father except through Him. He's the only way. Can y'all say only way? We have to kind of submit to that realization when it comes to the Word of God. Are you going to go through things in life that that the devil's going to try to drag you down? Absolutely. But what is it that keeps you through the hardship? What is it that keeps you through the hard times? What is it that keeps you through the testing times? What is the truth that has to be rooted in you? That keeps you from backsliding or turning away or just dropping it and walking away. I'm telling you, it is, this is what it is for me. Doesn't matter if I'm... I want to tell you, a couple years ago, I'll give you a very practical illustration here. Before my wife was healed, confirmed healed, she had miscarriages. When I started pastoring the church here, she went through miscarriages. Can I tell you guys, do you think that I felt like preaching when, when, when my wife just had a miscarriage? You think I felt like doing that? You think that my flesh didn't probably feel like, you know what, forget this. You know what, Lord, I'm just going to go do something else. Yeah, your flesh could tell you something like that. But what's the thing that keeps you going? The fact is, Lord, whether I like it, whether I don't like it, whether I understand it, whether I don't understand it, you are the only way. So that means I don't have a choice to do anything else with my life. If you really are the one true king and the one true Lord, and this isn't just a religion, that you are real, you're true, you're the only way, that means I don't have the luxury of just picking and choosing what I do and what I don't do, where I go, where I don't go, how I live, how I don't live. I submit to your authority because you are the Lord. And Lord, you've told me to pastor this church, whether I want to, whether I feel like it, and I want to tell you, it's a blessing. I'm not saying like it's some burden. I'm just telling you, your life has to be rooted in the fact that He is the way. There's only one way to live life, and that's the way of the Word. There's only one truth. That's the truth of the Word of God. The Bible says, let God be true and let every other man be a liar. We're going to talk about it in a, in a moment. We still got about half an hour. But there's so many people that are they're sold out to a religion. And I can tell you guys, it's the same spirit. The same spirit of Christianity, the religious spirit, it's the same spirit of Islam. It's just a religious spirit. It just sells people to a religion and not obedience and loyalty to a person. Jesus Christ. It's the same wicked spirit. You know, you could, you could go to Christians 
One thing we'll talk about in a little bit, praying in tongues. We'll look at the Scriptures for it. You could back it by the Word, frontwards, backwards, sideways, up and down. This is what the Bible says. And there's people that would read the words on the page. Not just one little isolated place. Flip, flip, read it, read it, read it, read it. And then look you straight in the eyes and say, yeah, but we don't believe that. Can I tell you, you're, you are actually, you've given yourself to a demon spirit of religion, not the truth, not the way, not the person of Jesus Christ. Because when you truly give yourself to this realization of, you know what, there's only one way, one truth, one life, it really, it, you, you compromise what you think whenever it's established otherwise in the Word of God. Pastor Tanner had to do the same thing. Healing. It's established in the Word of God. Isaiah 53.5 Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, paid the price for our physical healing. Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John went around healing all, as the book of Acts says, doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Matthew 8.17 He took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. The New Testament church practiced nothing other than walking in divine healing and laying their hands on the sick and watching them recover. I remember Pastor Tanner, his mother passed away of cancer. She was a Christian. He could tell you, he's, he would give me permission to talk about this. Go on, Amberly. Go see Grammy. She might need some help, somebody. Uh, but, you know, he had a, a, a problem. What do you do when you're believing and then somebody still passes away? Right? What do you do when you're believing for healing and you pray for healing or whatever and then it doesn't happen? You don't see the thing that you were standing on. What do you do? I'll tell you what a lot of Christians do. They'll take the Word of God and they'll just throw it out the window. Where you could read the Scriptures and they say, yeah, I know it says that, but... I know it says that, but... I know it says that, but... Can I tell you what Pastor Tanner did? I love it. What we did, because the same thing happened to us. My wife, she experienced miscarriages. And the devil was testing. The devil was putting his hands on things. And there was areas of my life, I can tell you firsthand, where I was, for a lack of knowledge... Things were allowed to happen in my life that were outside of God's will because I wasn't walking in my authority. Because I wasn't using my faith. I want to tell you how important knowing the Word of God is. People think that when you get saved, God's hand just sovereignly comes upon your life and He'll just work everything out all the time. He's given us authority. Jesus literally said, what you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. What you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain in Mark eleven twenty four, 24. And if you say, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Same me. That means I have a re responsibility to bind things, to loose things, to speak to things, to use my faith. He said in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority over all the power of the devil. <laughs> so we went through this, this, wow, this situation happened. But we had to come back to the Word. Lord, my situation, it doesn't really make sense and I may not understand it right now, but I know, I know that I know this is what Your Word says. So Lord, we're going to actually forfeit 
our opinion and take sides with your word. What was the result of that? A little baby that my wife is holding right now that's a miracle child. Whenever she got pregnant, they told her, you have a disease. There's going to be a blood clot that forms in your umbilical cord. It's going to kill the child. You need to take these shots. You need to do all these things. And we stood on the Word and we said, you know what? No, we're not taking the shots. Wait, if you don't take the shots, that baby's going to die in the womb. It's not going to die. That baby will live and not die. Because Jesus, the, the Word of God says the power of life and death is in the tongue. I believe that. I took it to heart. I said, Jesus, you said I could say, and if I believe those things which I say and had not doubt in my heart, I could have those things which I said. So I would say that every day. Oakland River will live. She will not die. And can I tell you, I'm so thankful. I truly believe that whenever those doctors were giving us those reports, you know what? People can crucify me for this. I don't trust the medical industry. I don't think anybody in this room does, but I'm telling you, I, I truly believe that they intentionally put things in shots and vaccines and medical procedures because there is a plan that's not even conspiracy. They've talked about openly that there's too many people on the planet and we need to depopulize the earth. There's too much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. In order to get that number closer to zero, Bill Gates said you need to get the population down. There's a plan in all of this. And I feel like the Lord has showed me that if we would have given in to fear, that doc- those doctors would have probably injected my wife with things that would have actually caused miscarriage in the womb. Amen. I feel like the Holy Spirit showed me that. So we stood firm. We received a miracle Amen. for taking sides with God's Word. So that's what you have to You have to come to a realization. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him where you forfeit your own opinion. Lord, if I come to this Word and I grew up thinking something my whole life, but Your Word says otherwise, I will change what I think in a heartbeat because let every man be a liar and let the Word of God be true. Most Christians don't do this, guys. We don't do this. And in fact, we pick religion, we pick our own systems, we pick our own denominations over the Word of God. I'm telling you, there was a time when we started this church where I stood toe-to-toe with a church board. Then we went through, there was nine verses one, and I was going through the Scriptures after Scripture after Scripture, proving that God's a healer. Proving that God's a provider. Because I had a full gospel denomination tell me, a full gospel denomination tell me, that you can't tell people that if they have faith, they can be healed. Sometimes God's answer is, sometimes God says yes, and sometimes He says no. I said, I, it's not in the Bible. We'll go through the Scriptures and, and prove it. You know, they said, you can't, tell that, you can't tell a person that God wants to prosper every individual that's a believer. I said, what do you mean? Well, it's not God's will for everybody to be prosperous, for everybody to have an abundance. And I said, really? That's weird whenever you're driving a new car and living in a new house that was provided for you, so you're telling me that it's God's will that you prosper. But a single mother who just got saved, who's working a job to support her two kids, you you want me to tell that person, well, it's God's will that you're in poverty. That's your place in the earth. And this is my place in the earth. I said, I absolutely won't do that. 
And there actually came a moment where we were going through the Word, through the Word, through the Word, where a person looked me in the eyes and said, John, we don't care how many Scriptures you bring, you will not change what we think. Uh, uh, guys, the only reason I'm telling you that, that's not, you could say, wow, that is 99% of the American churches right now. How can you close your church down and then put Psalms 91 on your Facebook? All right, guys, we're believing. God's our protector. Psalms 91. If you don't know Psalms 91, I'll read it to you. It says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He's my God and I trust Him. Say, He's my God and I trust Him. My faith is not built on a man. It's built on my trust that I have in Jesus Christ through His Word. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Look at this. Psalms 91. He'll protect you from deadly disease. He'll cover you with His feathers. He'll shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day, nor dread the disease that stalks in the darkness. Look at this. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. He'll rescue you from every trap. He'll protect you from every disease. Don't dread the disease that stalks in the darkness. Though a thousand fall, literally the Lord is saying, I don't care. If you walk out and you say, Lord, everybody in Huntington's getting sick. Everyone in Lufkin and Nacogdoches are sick. He says, I don't care if 10,000 are dying around you. Right? Not just losing their, their sense of smell for two days and then they're okay. I don't care if they're actually dropping dead in the streets. These evils will not touch you, the Bible says. Why? Do you actually know that there is a difference between the believer and the unbeliever? The believer has this thing called a covenant with the Most High God that an unbeliever doesn't have. So here's this crazy thought. The Lord said, when you give your life to Jesus, it's not just the forgiveness of your sin. You're brought into a covenant that has promises, that guarantees protection, that guarantees provision, that guarantees His hand. It has all of these benefits you're brought into, sworn by the blood of Jesus, where where the Lord literally says, I make a distinction between you and the rest of the world. And Christians really should have that in their spirit, that you're not like everyone else. So, he said, if you make the Lord your refuge and if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Look at this. No plague will come near your home. You know how many days that we were out with COVID in the last two years? How many days me and my wife were out? We, we, we didn't show up for a month or two. and didn't Zero. Here's the thing. When the devil lies, the devil puts symptoms on you. You know, you see these things you don't fear. You stand on the Word of God. His faithful, His, his promises are your armor and your protection. Say His promises. His promises. 
What is this promises? It's His Word. You mean, Lord? You, guys, and I'm telling you, we live in this time, and this all ties together, where Christians think you're a lunatic for actually believing the Bible. They'll read Psalms 91. Oh, well, yeah, we see that it says that, but you're, like literally, you're literally not going to shut your church down. You're dang right. Because why should I? He said, no plague will come near my dwelling. Why should I? Because according to that word, not one person in this church is going to die of COVID-19. Why should I? You really believe that? Yeah, I really believe that. Hopefully you believe that. Because I'm telling you, you have your own home. You have your own territory. You have your own place of dominion where you're the head. You're the authority. My authority doesn't go into your home. While you're at this church, you will not get COVID-19 and you will not die. But here's my, crazy, here's my point. There are so many churches, they would put this, leaders, they would put this. Psalms 90, right? They would wear masks. Psalms 91 on the mask. Faith over fear on the mask. It's a joke. And here's my point. You know, unbelief is actually holding God's word in low esteem. When we take God's word and we don't believe what he said at point blank face value, we're literally we're holding God's word. And well, Lord, we know you said that, but come on, let's get real. Let's be serious here. Let's get a little logical. And when you hold God's word in low esteem, you stifle the Holy Spirit and he won't move in the American church. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I hope that your life is built on the Word of God because I, will, I do believe the only thing that br that's been proven to bring a nation, to bring a people to its knees, is destruction, is, is tragedy. It's sad. It doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, God tells His people it doesn't have to be that way. He literally says, look guys, I'm taking you into a place of overflow. I'm taking you to a place where there's milk, it flows like the rivers, there's honey, there's fruit, the land is fruitful. He says, when, when you build fine homes and your flocks and herds have multiplied, do not forget the Lord your God who delivered you from evil. That means as Christians, can I tell you guys, we live in the most blessed, privileged time in human history. Anybody glad you didn't have to you don't have to go home tonight and you know kill a chicken and, and literally take six hours to cook one meal from scratch? We don't have we live in a blessed time. But the Lord was saying something. He said that blessing, what does it do? It causes people to get comfortable and then to begin to step into pride where we get in the blessing, we get in the provision, we get in the abundance, and then we begin to think that we don't need him. Well, shoot. I got a big house. That's what the people said. Why do, why, do I need to, to, why do I need to go to the house of the Lord? My bills are paid. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of people in this country that experience this tragedy. And the Lord is, it, it is not the hand of the Lord that is striking people down. But can I tell you something? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Do you know that sin opens the door for destruction? 
So people, when we see catastrophe, when we see tragedy, when we see destruction take place, you know, a nursing home full of people die, and we think, well, you know, I guess it was the Lord's time. The Lord said, this was never my plan. This was never my will. But because of your lethargy and your lack of reverence to my word and the sin that you allowed in your life, you, you did this. You came and opened the door. And when you opened the door, destruction and death was able to walk right in. Apart from my will, it was never my will. And so I'm telling you, the doors open in the United States of America. If you can look at a generation that literally gets frustrated. Our, our administration just said that he's suing the state of Texas for the heartbeat law. Have you ever heard of a group of people that are that mad that babies aren't dying? It just makes us so mad that there wasn't 200 abortions today. That's sick. That's a devil spirit. That's a deceptive, devil, antichrist spirit. And I want to tell you, when a generation or a nation embraces that type of thinking, it opens the door to death and destruction. But thank God we're not like everyone else. Amen. Exactly. You're right. No one has the right to tell us what we wear on our face. No one has the right to tell us how we're going to worship, how we're supposed to worship. No one has the right to tell us what we have to put inside of our bodies, our children's bodies. That is an antichrist, communist spirit. Amen. Here's my point. Churches, not all of them, but you know, It's so sad that we went through a time of peace and man took that time of peace and misinterpreted the blessing of God on what they were doing. We took a time of peace, and I just say this, we went through a time of prosperity in our nation. If you look 60 years ago, 70 years ago, Billy Graham, I mean, he was a superstar. Everybody loved Billy Graham. and He was a reverend. He was a minister of the gospel. America was you know, open to the gospel. We went through a time where churches weren't persecuted. They were encouraged. We like Christianity. But it's really sad because what men began to do was take that time of prosperity and instead of de keep depending on the Lord and humbling ourselves, Lord, we can't do this without You. We started building services where the Holy Spirit wasn't even welcome anymore because it might offend people. Can I tell you, this is really funny. The prophet Robin Bullock said this. Why are we, people get offended, if people get offended, like we're so worried of people getting offended of God. You come to church and we don't want the Holy Ghost to do anything. We can't move in the Spirit. We can't flow in the gifts. We can't pray in tongues. We can't do any of that stuff because it may offend somebody. But it's like, we're at church trying to not offend people with God. <laughs> How crazy is that? So we built these organizations. We built these structures. And because we were in a time of prosperity, a season of prosperity, a window, things flourished and we, we interpreted, oh, the, the Lord likes what we're doing. And now you have a bunch of organizations that have huge influence, Huge power that right now we need the church standing up. Yeah. 
We need, and I know they'll never watch this, but we need Elevation Church. We need Bethel Church. We need Hillsong Church standing up saying, this is wrong. You, can't, you will not tell us how to worship. We will not shut down our services. This is what the Bible says. This is an antichrist spirit speaking very clearly to these things. Guys, I'll tell you the truth. After my sermon Sunday, I literally, I'm not going to say names, but I'll tell you, I literally mentioned in Australia, say Australia. So any of my friends watching online, Australia. Australia. The Assemblies of God, which is called the ACC, I'll clarify that as well, because the, an Assemblies of God pastor of a, of a fairly large church in Lufkin basically called me a liar and a false leader and it's a joke and all these things because of what I said, because I used the word Assemblies of God. And, you know, they're, they're more loyal to a denomination or to a religion, even if, it's wrong, even if they're doing something wrong, they'll stick up for a denomination over the Word of God. How could you say, I dare, how, how dare you say anything about the AOG? You hypocrite, you liar. And then I'm like, wow, a year ago, whenever we were taking a stand against this Antichrist spirit, saying the spirit is a hypocrite and a liar, and taking this, false, this firm stand, you were pointing over here saying, you guys don't love people. How could you do that? That's, that's I'm like, why couldn't you have that same spirit when it actually counted to make a stand for something? Anyways, the ACC, the uh, Assemblies of God in Australia, they released, and it's not public, so it's only to the people that were credentialed within the ACC in Australia, which was the Assemblies of God of Australia, um, that basically was like, yeah, you know, we don't really believe people should be forced to take vaccines, but they just take this, this really, you know, you see a lot of these pastors, you see a lot of them, of these leaders, that they go on talk shows, and, and like Whoopi Goldberg in The View will ask them, is Jesus the only way to be saved? What do they do? Well, I mean, that's kind of a hard, how is that a hard question? According to the Bible, He is the only way. There's only one way to the Father. He said that in John 14, 6. Well, pastor, is homosexuality a sin? Well, I don't really, you know, I think that that's hard. I have to hear somebody's story first. What? According to the Bible, homosexuality is a sin. If you're asking my opinion, my opinion doesn't matter. Even though my opinion is the Bible. I agree with the Bible. But according to the Bible, it's a sin. But they released this statement about vaccines and about abortion, and they encouraged their pastors, we encourage you to not get into arguments or to not take a stand about these questionable ethical issues. Right? These are really hard ethical issues, and everybody just has to make their own decisions. Really? Aborting babies is a really difficult ethical issue like, that we shouldn't really talk about because we, it's just so afraid to confront the spirit of this world. It's so afraid. Why? Because we know that if we do, what's the truth? Well, we'll get rejected. I'll tell you, and I've said it last year, I'll say it again. The Lord showed me this. How is it possible? that we had churches that shut down during COVID-19 
But then some of the same pastors that shut their churches down were saw speaking and leading movements at the BLM rallies. How is that? So we, you think it's unsafe for us to gather at church, but it's not unsafe to gather at the BLM rally? How does that make sense? I'll tell you the God-honest truth about it. There was a lot of pastors that did shut down, and it wasn't even because they were afraid of this virus. You know why they shut down? Because they knew if we, don't, if we make a stand against this, we have about 15 people that give a lot of money to this church that if we take this stand, they're going to call us tomorrow and say we're going somewhere else. You know, there's a lot of pastors that got out and actually posted the black square on their Instagram and, you know, the BLM thing. They actually didn't even really care about that. But they did it. You know why they did it? Because the same liberal, antichrist-spirited people that would call if they took a stand would call if, they, if their butts weren't out in the street marching supporting this cause. It's a compromise of the Word of God. Guys, this is... I mean, we could literally go on this for weeks. This is literally holding the Spirit of God in low regard. And it stifles the Holy Spirit from moving. So how do we stifle? I'll end with this. How do we stifle the Holy Spirit even in the church? I kind of mentioned this, but we've created a church where we tell God when to move and how to move. And that's something that I'm so against, and I'm telling you guys honestly, I, hear me, I love every single one of you so much. But I just feel such a deep conviction that I, just, I have to stand on the Word and tell, it, t- tell the truth about it, even if I'm the last one that's standing in this room and I'm all by myself. Jesus did that. When Jesus was literally on trial, all of His followers deserted Him. He was the only one standing for God. And you have to do that. You know, in in our generation, I'm telling you, the Spirit has to come into the church where you make a stand even if you're the only one. Even if you're the only one. I heard an evangelist, it was funny, but he was talking about... uh, and it's true, one of my brothers uh, in Dallas, they, he just texted me and he told me that his company let him know, not just the masks, that they are forcing their employees to take the vaccine. And if they don't take the vaccine, by October 15th, they will be fired. He's not stressed about it or anything. And it's funny because I listened to this evangelist and he was saying, you know, people are always like, what are we supposed to do? They're threatening our jobs. And he was like, gee, if only there was some all-powerful God that promised He would take care of your needs, that He would take care of your food and the things. You know, it was just funny because it's like, really, you think about it. Jesus said that, Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about the things of everyday life, what you eat, what you drink, the clothes that you wear. Isn't life more than that? He said those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What was he trying to say? A covenant person doesn't think about that. When you understand your covenant with God, you have faith. My God, He'll provide for me. 
He will take care. If the Lord tells me to stand and it costs me everything, my God, He will provide for me. He shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. He will bless our storehouse. Just like Elijah. You know, Elijah, how did God provide for him? Lord, the Lord literally saw to it that literally ravens flew it in. He's like, if no one's going to bring it to you, that's fine. I'll get it in the ravens. I'll make the ravens fly it to you and deliver it to you personally. God will provide for us. He'll take care of us. But we have to, can you say humble? Humble ourselves. We don't think we need God. That's the ultimate, that's the, guys, I'm telling you, that's the thing. We have to get a revelation. And I tried preaching this last Wednesday, and I don't know if you got it, but we have, we have to understand. You have to see your need for God. If you want to see the Holy Ghost moving in your life, you have to humble yourself. We're just like Jesus, I don't live off of bread alone, bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of my Father. He said, I don't speak on my own. I only say what I hear Him say. I don't do anything on my own authority. I only do what I see Him do. What was, what was Jesus doing when He went to the mountain to pray? As the Bible says that He would withdraw and go to the mountains. What, what was He doing? I'm telling you, a big part of it was constantly just surrendering himself to the Lord. Lord, if I haven't said it, I'm going to say it today. I need you. Lord, I, you Lord I'm going to keep coming back to this word, and I don't care if I have to cut Facebook out of my life. Because I can't afford to get away from this. Lord, I don't care if i got to cut the news or TV out of my life. or I don't care if I have to stop doing a few other things to get to church, to get with other believers, because that's what you told me to do. I don't care what I have to do, because Lord, I, I, I can't afford to do this without you. I have to have you. I need you. I need your word. I need your word. Hallelujah. Lean on, rely on, and trust in. So all that's watching online, they can't hear anything but this mic. Miss Sarah said in the Amplified, it doesn't only use the word believe. Many places it says believe. It said lean on, trust in, rely on. Lean on, trust in, and rely on. Absolutely. But that's a picture of what believing is. A lot of people say, well, I believe. Really, do you really trust in the Lord? I mean, honestly, well, I believe God. I believe God to be my healer. Really? You really believe? You trust? You're relying on Him to be your healing. You're relying on Him. And I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to do anything. And I'm not going to say in the last two years I've never taken an ibuprofen. I think I have probably three times. And the Lord's like, oh man, you know, what are you doing? But it, it is true. I mean... There was many generals that walked in such faith. 
That that's what they would, that's what they would do. They, they, they would, I remember one specifically, and I want you to hear me. If this means nothing to you, then don't take it this way. But it's true. This is a true story. There was a minister, I think it was John G. Lake, that said, how many of you rely on God for your healing? And like, you know, half the room lift their hands up. And he said, great. How many of you guys have been taking prescription medication? The same people raised their hand. He said, all right, put your hand down. How many of you rely on the Lord? Because, and I'm not telling you don't take your medicine. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is think about faith. God's not plan B. He's not plan backup. I rely on God. Honestly, do you think that maybe, why do did, why did people really see God move in other countries? They can't just run to CVS. They can't just run to the pharmacy. They just, they just can't run to these places and have these accommodations that we have. It's like either God's healing me or I'm dying. So why do you, why do you, and then you see this. What does that look like? You hear stories about women in Africa. Brother Kofi, you know, he does crusades. I've heard other great ministers that have ministered in Africa. Will somebody flip that men's light, bathroom light on? You've got to leave that light switch on or all the lights will go off back there. I'm about done here. But you hear stories of women, a, a woman that drags herself five miles across the ground to get to the meeting. And then what happens? The Holy Ghost comes upon them and supernaturally they're healed and restored. They're, get, they're running around 100% healed. Because Jesus wasn't plan B or plan C or plan D. And oh, I believe, you know, figuratively, is it possible God can do that? It's like, I, literally, I believe that if I get there, I believe He's the healer. I believe He'll heal me. I believe He'll touch me to the point where I'll drag my butt across the desert for five miles on my arms just to get there. To be touched. Faith, say faith, is action. If there's no action, it's not faith. Faith is not just mentally agreeing with something. Faith, if it doesn't compel you to action, it's not faith. Hallelujah. So why don't we see the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, in our churches, in the American, United States of America? That's because we stifle Him by holding Him in low esteem and low regard. We tell God, I'll, I'll end on this, I said in our churches, we tell God when to move and how to move. Well, Lord, you know, I mean, even tonight, right? Well, Lord, I, we're, we're supposed to be going through Romans. I'm not going to tell God how to move. He wants to do this. All right, Lord, we're here on your time. All right, Lord, and you know what? And the Lord convicted me of this. You know, we are doing prophetic meetings. But I also don't just only want the prophetic and tongues and these things to take place once a month at the gathering that we're going to be holding Every service belongs to the Lord. Every service. Amen. We tell God when He can move. All right, Lord, You can move once a week on small group. 
right on Sunday so we don't offend anybody because people come in here and they have the spirit of this world and every other person their whole life has coddled it and told them that it's okay and tried to kiss their butt to make them feel good and embrace that spirit that they hold. We don't really want to offend anybody so we're not going to do those things. So we'll just create other little outlets where those things can happen then. You're stifling the Holy Spirit. We're holding Him in low esteem and low regard. We tell God when to move. We tell God how to move. Well, Lord, we like the prophetic. We like words, but when you go to praying in tongues, that's a gift. Just like prophecy is a gift. He literally grouped them together. He said, you have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, the gift of healing and the working of miracles. Nine gifts of the Spirit. Well, Lord, we like, the, we like the healing. You know, some people don't like the healing. I've never understood why it makes people mad to preach that God's a healer. Guys, I'm telling you, I've had people go in my office with me and literally leave the church because I wouldn't break and say, yep, it was God's will that, that your father died. Man, my father, you know, our dad, he passed away of cancer. And it's like they wanted me to just, they wanted me to tell them. Yeah, you know what? He was 50 years old, but sometimes the, ways, the Lord's ways are higher. It, it, it was God's will. They wanted me to, and I said, look, I get that, uh, but that's human wisdom. It's not here. It's not in this. It's not what Jesus preached. It's not what He did. It's not what Paul preached. It's not what the New Testament church did. So I can't do that. It makes them mad. Well, actually, it wasn't even that their father had died. Is that he was sick. And they wanted me to tell them that it was God's will for him to die. He was on his deathbed, and I was like, no, we're going to keep believing for him to be healed. They're like, no, we believe that it's just God's will for him to go now. And I'm like, find me one righteous man in the Bible that died of cancer. Really? And I'm not saying that the righteous don't. Like, well, if you died of cancer, then you're not righteous and you're going to hell. What I'm saying is, Abraham died an old man. Moses died an old man. Joshua died an old man. Even not only did they die old, they had strength in their old age. The strength of their youth. Paul and them, they were martyred. And people said, well, how about the disciples and the apostles? They were martyred. Guys, can I tell you, there's a difference. Just like Jesus. Nobody took Jesus' life. Do you know that the Bible says that? He gave His life. He said, there ain't a person on this earth that can take my life away from me. He said, if I said no, no one could touch me with a 30-foot pole. In fact, there was times that he preached and they wanted to kill him and that he would just like walk through the crowd. Thousands of people. And I'm about wrapping up, but... You know, Paul, people think, well, what about the apostles? Weren't they martyred? Paul knew he was going to his death. It wasn't a surprise to Paul when he was murdered in, in Rome. He literally told Timothy. And if you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit prophesied to him three times what was going to happen in Rome. But what did he say? Well, I ran my race. I finished my race. I've kept the faith. Y'all, I'm ready to go home. That's what Paul said. He was ready. And I actually believe that if Paul didn't want to die, he didn't have to die. You know, in one place in the book of Acts, it says Paul was stoned to death. They drug him outside the city. And he was laying there, and the believers literally surrounded him and prayed for him, and he got back up and went back into the city and went back to preaching. 
Why his assignment wasn't done yet. It's like he couldn't die and go to heaven. They had, did you know that the person that wrote the book of Revelation was the apostle John was boiled alive? They threw him in a pot of boiling oil and it didn't even touch him. He got out just like Shadrach. This is historical. He got out of a pot of boiling oil like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not a burn on his body. So what did they do? They banished him to the island of Pathmos or Pathos. Pat, what is it? Patmos? Patmos. I guess that's the New Mexico version. And he wrote the book of Revelation. He lived to be an old 90-something-year-old man. So here's my point. It's not God's will. It's not God's will. It's not in the Word of God. You can get a revelation of divine protection. You can get a revelation of the believer's authority. And you, can, you, you don't have to worry. Am I going to die of COVID? Do I need to take this vaccine so I don't die? You don't have to worry about that. And I've never understood why that message makes people mad. I'm like, that's a good message. If I was dying, I would want somebody to tell me I could be healed. I'm like, shoot, if I was 30 and on my deathbed, I would hope somebody would tell me if I didn't know, hey, you don't actually have to die. Did you know that? What? <laughs> you know, I don't have to die. No, you can be healed. I hate that. That's the devil. That's a devil spirit. Hallelujah. Y'all, let me pray for you. Literally, the Lord told me tonight was going to just be a night of overflow. So he said, what's in your spirit? Just let it out. And we didn't even really cover like half of it, but... Father, I thank You. Bless Your people in the name of Jesus. I decree, Lord, Your hand goes upon them. Your, your hand goes before them. Angel armies protect them and surround them everywhere that they go. Destruction will not come upon them in Jesus' name. Thank You for Your provision, Father. Thank You for Your full supply. Thank You for our children being rescued from the system of this world. Everybody that's in this room. Thank You that Your blessing, Lord, is upon their children's lives. Their children will serve You. Their children won't know the struggles of this generation. You'll preserve their children in this wicked generation. And they'll be blessed and they'll prosper and they'll serve the Lord. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to the Lord and say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just thank him for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Shatarosatere. We give you praise. We give you praise. Though destruction may come and a thousand fall at our side and ten thousand die around us, these evils will not touch us. The Lord declares it. The Lord establishes it.
Thank you, Father, for raising up your people in this time that they are set apart. They are set apart. They're, we're not like everybody else. We don't go through the, everything that everybody else. Lord, we may be going through the same situation, but it will not have the same effect on us because we're a people claimed and marked by the Lord. We receive it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.